Thank you, Sharon. I tell you, we had a time of celebration when we heard the news, good news about Lisa. I'm just so grateful for God's kindness. It's easy sometimes to put ourselves in a mode to expect the worst in situations. And, and what a blessing when God chooses in His mercy and His grace to give us an unexpected news, a blessing. And we certainly need that. We're in Psalm of Songs this morning, seeking to go through these ancient love songs that give wisdom for the marital relationship, to keep a marriage strong, to keep romance alive, to keep God in the center of that relationship as He wants it to be. And we're going to look this morning, uh, starting at verse 8 of chapter 2, moving through chapter 3, verse 5. I want to focus for our verse this morning in Scripture reading of just a single verse in chapter 2. It's verse 15. And um, I'm going to ask when you find that to stand in God's honor as I read, read aloud. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. Let's pray. Father, thank You for these ancient love songs, Lord, that give us wisdom and insight into how relationships are supposed to function, those relationships of of romance, God, that You have designed, that You have created, that, Father, are good in You, God. And I just pray, Father, that You help me, Lord, to be able to speak clearly, God, and to speak with conviction, Lord, and Father, just to, just to let You speak, Father, Your Spirit freely. Uh, Lord, we need to hear from You, God. Minister to us. In Your name we pray. Amen. Alright, guys. This starts out in verse 8. And I believe it's a picture of a couple that's... Man, they are in love... They are enamored with one another. And uh, let's just kind of look through the passage here. He says, listen, my lover. Look, here he comes. Now, I I imagine that she's, you know, evidently they've got a a date planned, a a time of, of just for them, just the two of them to be together. And I imagine she's been getting ready looking at her different dresses, trying to figure out which one looks the best on her, which makes her the most attractive. You know, and I thought about the old fairy tale, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest one of all? I imagine if the mirror could talk, the mirror would say, well, as long as you've been sitting in front of me and primping, you should be, honey. As she was preparing for him, and she's looking out that window, and you know it's it's about time for him to come, and then she sees him, and and look at his excitement, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills, compared him to a gazelle or a young stag. This guy is running. I mean, he is excited. He is charged to see her, and he he's moving. I can imagine this must bring a real smile to her. As she sees him coming in his excitement. 
says, My lover spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me. See, the winter's past, the rains are over and gone, flowers appear on the earth, the season of singing has come, the cooing of doves is heard in our land, the fig tree forms its early fruit, the blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. He says, my dove in the clefts of the rock and the hiding places, the mountainside, show me your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet. Picture of really wanting to be with one another, really wanting to enjoy one another. And then our focal verse, which we're going to spend most of our time on, looking at those little stinkers that can really cause a problem when they're allowed to continue on. And in a marriage, you have to look at those little troubles that if they're left unattended, will grow and and cause major problems in the relationship. And so that kind of gives me some preaching liberty to look at some of those things this morning. So we talk about the vineyard, which is the marriage, uh, and it's a marriage that's in bloom, where love is evident, and how to keep it that way, guys. And... um, so as we look at this, we, we think about a, a couple that genuinely loves and cares for each other. I thought of this uh, saying you're familiar with. If you love something, set it free. If it returns, you haven't lost it. If it disappears and never comes back, then it wasn't truly yours to begin with. And if it just sits there watching television unaware it's been set free, you probably already married it. That's <laughs> end of a greeting card. You know, to keep the, to, to keep that alive and that excitement there, it, it takes, it takes work. It takes work over the days. And what, and you know, the goal, the goal is to grow old together. To grow old together. I wanted to, uh, just make a mention for this video I'd asked Jeff to put up here. Uh, John Wooden, probably the most well-known college basketball coach in the history of the sport. He's also a very dedicated Christian man. Very solid in character. And loved his wife very dearly. And I want to show just a short clip uh, where he talks about his love for his wife. So if you can show that, Jeff. Was his first love, his beloved wife, Nellie, who died 24 years ago. And your love really has lasted... You're still in love with her. I'm very much in love with her. Nellie passed away on the 21st of March, 1985. And ever since, on the 21st of every month, Wooden writes her a love letter. No one gets to read the letters, not even his family. Where is he, honey? I miss you. More than ever. Love is so virus and I'm still keeping my promise. There'll never be another. It's the greatest love story never told. She was the only girl Wooden ever kissed, and he was 14 at the time. How do you make love last in a marriage? There's only one way. Truly, truly, truly love. The most powerful thing there is. It's true. If it's true, it must be true. Loyalty is so important to you. You stayed so loyal to her. 
stayed loyal to this school. Why? Why do you think you're such a loyal person? Dad, more than anything else, believed in loyalty being one of the most important uh, things. I've said uh, so much and spoken uh, so much uh, that uh, the most important word in our language is love. Second is balance. Keeping things in perspective. Still teaching at 99, the great man is finally starting to fade. He can't get out of his wheelchair anymore. He has somebody with him 24-7. But he still has the kind of vision that can see around corners. Are you afraid to die? No, I'm not afraid to die. How come? Why should I be afraid? That's the most wonderful thing that will ever happen. It really is. Absolutely. I'm not afraid to die. Once I was afraid of dying. Once I was afraid of dying. Terrified at never lying. Petrified at leaving family, home, and friends. Lots of absence from my dear ones brought a melancholy tear once. And a dreadful, dreadful feeling of when life ends. But those days are long behind me. Fear of leaving does not bind me. And departure does not hold a single care. Peace does comfort as I ponder a reunion in the yonder with my dearest one who's waiting for me there. And John Wooden died uh, recently at 100 years old. Um, this is part of that celebration, looking back on that, that I saw earlier. So how does this happen? How does this kind of love blossom? Well, we want to look at that this morning as we look at our text. And uh, turn with me, uh, verse 16 of chapter 2. Here's, there's a key verse here. My lover is mine and I am his. He browses among the lilies. Notice here, it is said, um, My lover is mine and I am his. There is mutual belonging. There's mutual giving. There's not a giver and a taker. There are two people who give. There are two people who love one another, who are willing to look to the needs of the other. And that's a biblical relationship. Anything else is abuse. That is God's call. The idea of the husband who says that my wife is mine, she is like property. She needs to listen to me, submit to me, and I'm the head of the home. That is an idea that is not biblical. Because He is called to love her as Christ loves the church. And how much did Jesus love the church? He went to a cross and He died on that cross for the church. It's to be a a kind of love that, that really looks and sees her need and is sensitive to her and reaches out to her. He is... To love her humbly and sacrificially and and to lead the family in that way to provide a safe, loving, and secure place in a relationship with Jesus. Anything else is not of God. That's, That's His heart. For the relationship to be mutual, to be sharing, for two people to give to one another. Uh, 1978, 
was the first time my husband was prosecuted for taking sexual advantage of his wife. For against her will, um, placing himself on her. And um, it was at that time there was a case, you know, before then, it was just, she was just considered to be property. She was just considered to be in that relationship and she just had to endure that before this time. After that case, they did a study of 900 wives and discovered that 14% of those in that poll said that they too had been abused by their husbands and that statistically it was shown that a wife was twice as likely to be assaulted by her husband as by a stranger. And of those who were polled, they said it had happened 20 times or more. The marriage relationship needs to be a sensitivity on both parties. Not where you belong to me and therefore you do what I say. She didn't say, I am his, period. She didn't say, it's okay for him to do whatever he wants, period. She said, my beloved is mine and I am his. In other words, he was to lead. What does it mean to lead? It means to go first. It means that he first was to give himself to her. That he is to give her his heart. That he is to give her his life. That he is to give his future to her. That he is to give his trust to her. To give his money to her, his body to her. To give himself totally to her. And that the two of them are to share life together. This journey known as life. It's a two-way street where they both submit to one another in the power and love of Jesus Christ. Now, in that day, there were these lavish gardens that had to be cared for. These vineyards had to be cared for. And... You had to be careful to keep the foxes out so they wouldn't bring damage to these beautiful vineyards. And the vineyard of a marriage that's in Christ requires that priorities be in order. Requires that first off that we that we nurture our relationship with Jesus Christ. That we grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then that we are a good husband or a good wife that we give detail to that relationship. And then if God blesses us with kids, to be a good parent. And then to be a good worker and to be good in our other relationships. But we must keep Christ as the center of that relationship. And I had asked Jeff to put up a phrase here that, that I want us to really think about this morning. In a relationship that God desires, in the marriage that pleases Him, Jesus Christ is to be the foundation. The marriage is to be the priority. And the children are welcome. Guys, this is the order. For a relationship to be all that it's meant to be, we can't really know anything about God's unconditional love and sacrifice until He enters our hearts and until He reveals to us what love's really about till He begins to change us and transform us and and to help us to be able to get past ourselves because we're naturally selfish. And we naturally want to be the one who is served instead of being a servant. Jesus Christ is to be the foundation. He he needs to enter my life. He needs to to change me and to to give me hope and to make me a new person and, and to allow me to see the forgiveness that He makes available. That has to be the foundation. And then the marriage needs to be the priority. 
And I'm afraid what happens many times is that once kids come into a marriage, that the kids become the priority. And guys, 18 years of a husband and wife neglecting one another and giving their full attention to kids means that more than likely one day they're going to wake up and be strangers. When those children move out of the home, because and it's so easy to be so busy. I mean, nowadays between sports and music and um, all these other opportunities uh, for kids to be involved, you can run yourself ragged all over the place with your kids and miss your time with one another. And to get that priority, and it becomes in trouble and many marriages break up when the kids leave the home. So the marriage is to be the priority. And the children need to be welcome there. They need to know they're loved. They need to know they matter. They need to know that they're a gift from God. But that's the order. Jesus Christ, the foundation, marriage, the priority, and the children welcome. And then we need to understand the power of the gospel. What God has given us through Jesus Christ. That we're sinners by nature and by choice. You know, the truth of the matter is, the Bible says... We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The truth of the matter is, we don't have to do something bad to be bad. We're born being separated from God with a nature that, that says no to Him. And, and that, has, that has to be forgiven. That has to be changed. And then by choice, we make decisions where we leave Him out, where we hurt Him, where we hurt other people, where we hurt ourselves. And if we're not careful... Because of that self-centered nature, we attack one another in a marriage relationship. The one who's supposed to be the closest person to you, you can attack. Guys, and you can blame. And when you're hurt, you can hold on to it and you can nurse that hurt and you can nurse that grudge and you can blame that person. But the gospel helps us understand that we are forgiven and we are to forgive. We're to be people of grace. And man, that should be evident, especially with the people you love the most. With your husband, with your wife, and with your kids, with those people that you love. Grace must be evident. There must be a newness of life. And if we don't understand this, then we'll blame one another and and it'll be like those little foxes that come in and attack the vineyard and bring forth pain. And it's important that relationship that God helps us to be able to agree on what matters. Too often, uh, you know, you have to be so careful when God brings you into a relationship with somebody. Look to see if you agree. I mean, you know, the saying is true that opposites attract. But if you're too opposite, and if you agree too much, someone has said, you know, the difference between opposites attracting is time. uh, As far as it being interesting and annoying. You know, at first it's just such a wonderful thing, but then after a while it gets on your nerves. Because that person's always questioning you, not agreeing with you. And it's important there be agreement. A couple of areas here I, I thought about, you know, before you get married, if, you know, question of, do you both want kids? Where do you both want to live? Do you want to live in, as one, you know, you need to 
agree on these things. I know one in our home, technology. Man, technology is to the point to where you can... The world's constantly at your fingertips between the internet and TV and... And uh, But the trouble with that is you're always looking at the world instead of looking at one another. It's easy to talk to those who are online and sometimes harder to find time to talk to people in your home. Because if you're not careful, it can take your attention and it can take your affection. So, so you know, what are you going to do with that? Uh, secondly, how do you handle each other's family? Sometimes these issues of, you know, in-laws becoming outlaws and... Vice versa can be a real problem. You know, one piece of advice, let her handle her family and guys, you handle your family and when the two get reversed, sometimes trouble can loom, can come around the corner. And then third has to deal with money and minutes. Do you have a budget? Is one of you a big spender and the other not? has to be agreement there. And sometimes you just don't agree and when you when you get to that point, it's okay at times maybe to have someone that you love and you trust, a counselor or a godly person that you look to for advice, to go to to be a mediator and to ask to help to get through those things. And we need to be considerate of one another. I want to look at some... Uh, these are four attitudes that deal with being considerate. Uh, these are attitudes that show a couple's heading toward divorce if these are prominent in the home. The first is criticism. Boy, criticism can really destroy. We need to compliment instead of criticize. If you're constantly critical, nobody will staying around you. Second is overstatements. You're a joke. You're an idiot. You always cause problems. You never say I love you. Overstatements. And then contempt. You know, the rolling of the eyes. We've all seen that. Mocking negative nicknames and the troubles that causes. Third, defensiveness. What do you mean I'm trouble? Of course I am. Look who I married. Defensiveness. And it's not my fault. It's yours. And then stonewalling. This this is when uh, you just don't listen to one another. And husbands tend to even be worse about this. They'll just, man, they just cut you off and don't listen. Um, and by this they say, I'm done with this. I simply will be lonely and, and guys at the heads down a road toward divorce. And then fit their issues of pain. There are people that have a painful background. They have skeletons in the closet. There's There's a lot of pain. And you know, like, many times, like when someone breaks a leg, if the bone's not set properly, for the rest of their lives they have a limp. And there are people who have emotional limps. They emotionally limp and they're hurt. And those issues of pain, you know, there needs to, there needs to be a loving way to be able to, to nurture and to deal with those issues of pain and to be aware of that. And then sixth, issues of shame. Maybe there's some something shameful that's happened in the past and your loved one would be terrified to know, afraid that you would desert him or her, that you would not receive them. It's something to bring before the Lord. God, what's the best area there? Help me to grow in that. These are issues. Now, now second, not only are these issues of the vineyard, 
I want you to see in chapter 3 her deepest fear. Start in chapter 3. It says, All night long on my bed I looked for the one my heart loves. I looked for him, but did not find him. I'll get up now and go about the city. Through its streets and squares I will search for the one my heart loves. So I looked for him, but did not find him. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city. Have you seen the one my heart loves? You know, what? what's happening here? She's sharing her deepest fear. She's saying, you know, I'm just afraid. Man, things are great right now. There's this wonderful love and connection between us. He's sensitive to me. You know, I am his and he is mine. But I'm afraid one day maybe he won't come home. I'm afraid maybe one day he'll go out and he won't come back. And, and she, she's just being honest. She just has this fear. And, and sometimes that happens. And, and those deepest fears can come to the surface. Others are afraid that, you know, he, he's going to be killed in a wreck or she's going to die suddenly. Or, or, but being able to, to share the heart of those deepest fears and being able to be open... And guys, um, I guess at this point, a a word of counsel there. Just take the word divorce out of your vocabulary if you're married. Don't use that as a club to beat one another. Well, if you don't do what I say, then this looks like it might be headed toward divorce. Don't, Don't use that as a threat. Because divorce in our culture especially is a real reality. It says before year 40 of a marriage, 67% of those marriages will end in divorce. We're talking about near two-thirds end in divorce. So that means we better get those little foxes out way before then, before they eat away at the vineyard. We have to work hard. The majority of those happen within the first seven years. So if you've made it past seven years, your odds go up. And I can tell you that if you have this order right, Jesus Christ, the foundation, marriage, the priority, and the children are welcome. It really goes way up. And some here will say, well, you know, I'm not married. But yet, statistics will tell us at least at some point, there will be those who will be seeking that kind of relationship. And so it, it, it really affects so many of us. Looking for that godly counsel when we need it. I want to close with this uh, This is a piece that talks about the importance of keeping a relationship open with our spouse. They say a wife and husband, bit by bit, can rear between themselves a mighty wall. So thick they cannot speak with ease through it, nor can they see across it. It stands so tall. Its nearness frightens them, but each alone is powerless to tear its bulk away. And each... Dejected wishes he had known for such a wall some magic thing to say. So let us build with master art, my dear, a bridge of love between your life and mine, a bridge of tenderness and very near a bridge of understanding, strong and fine, till we have formed so many ties there will never be room for walls to rise. Let's pray. Father, as we have taken a little time to look at these ancient love songs, Lord, And to see truth there, God, that matters. Lord, that there needs to be a mutual love.
that there needs to be a mutual trust. And Father, that you need to be the priority. Jesus Christ is the foundation. And, and marriage needs to be, be given our attention, our, 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 our priority, and, and that the kids need to be welcome. And God, I just pray that you do that work in the families that make up King's Way, God. I pray for those, Lord, who at this point, Father, they're, they're not married, but Lord, their hearts are looking. Um, Father, I pray that you help them, Lord, to put their hearts fully upon you now, Lord, to keep those little foxes out so that when you do have the time of blessing them, if you so choose, with a life, a life partner, Lord, a marriage, that, Father, it will be strong. And, Father, that it won't be in trouble at the start. And so, Lord, we just pray that you might work. And, and Lord, we know that every relationship, God cannot be right unless Jesus Christ brings the forgiveness. And so I just pray this morning, Lord, that as we all lift our hearts to you, help us to look inside and to simply ask the question, Who is Jesus to me? Is he Lord? Is he Savior? Is he someone that I think about when I'm in trouble. Lord, if, if, if you're not Lord, then uh, we, need to, we need to listen to you, God. Speak to us. Help us to follow you. In your name we pray. Amen.